Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. Excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that you will be edified and Christ would be glorified. We strive really hard here to teach only the Word. And we certainly hope and pray that you have a Bible and that you do follow along and, and try to understand where we're coming from. I know there's a lot of teachers out there, a lot of different ideas and philosophies and religions and so on. But here we're, we're just trying to teach the Word of God. We just claim to be Christian. We are not supported by any denomination at all. In fact, all of our financial support comes in small dollar amounts from listeners just like you. And we appreciate that and we thank God for that. And we pray that you would go and visit our webpage if you're new to the podcast and, and at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. And there you can find out more information about us, how to contact us, uh, submit your Bible questions. And that's what we're going to try to do today is answer some questions that were submitted to us through email. Uh, we kind of collect these uh we don't get enough of them to do a weekly uh, question and answer session, although uh, that was the original goal when we started this podcast. But uh, we anyway, we've collected a handful, and so we have enough now to make a complete podcast. And all these folks asked us to answer it over the air, so hopefully they're still listening. Uh, they've come from all over the world. Our, our audience continues to grow. It is absolutely amazing what God has done with this podcast. And so it's all been by word of mouth. We do not have any advertisement, like I said, no sponsoring a denomination or church. And if you'd like to help us, there's a way of doing it also on our webpage. There's a prayer request page. We certainly hope that you would check that out and pray for uh, this podcast. But those around the world, especially for their church that is persecuted, or many, many people who are persecuted. And that's kind of where we're going to start today with our questions that came in. This is uh, from San Francisco. And uh, the, the person, basically, he, uh, he writes, The tribulation is here, and you're not talking about it. Why? Well, okay, that's an interesting question. And I'm going to guess that you're talking about or your reference to the, the tribulation. It, it's mentioned twice in the book of Revelation. And we just did a series uh, on the seven churches of Revelation. And that's really who this, uh, this letter is written to, to these seven churches, this book. We would call it the book of Revelation today. But that is the Apostle John. He's writing this letter, and it has significant meaning to them. That does not mean that we cannot learn from it. That does not mean there's not dual application for us. But overall, folks, in context, this letter is written to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And so Revelation uh, talks about, there's some references about a great suffering in which uh, wicked people are going uh, to be casting on to others. And so, Revelation, if you have a Bible, please follow along. I, I really encourage you to do this. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 22 says, Behold, I will cast her, uh, Jezebel, onto a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. 
unless they repent of her deeds. And the second one pictures God's children who have uh, come uh, in our time of great suffering. And that's going to be in Revelation 7, verse 14. It says, and this is Jesus here, I said to him, My Lord, you know, he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, again, so we must keep in mind here that John the Apostle, he's having these visions, and when he saw these, he saw these as warnings, events that uh, were going to take place not in his distant future, but the very near future in his lifetime, they're going to shortly take place. So, And he says so. Okay, don't take my words for it. Open the book and read it. It's, he says so in Revelation 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants, the things that which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated to his angel to his bondservant John. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads those and hears the words of the prophecy and heeds the things which are written in it. For the time is near. Revelation 22:20 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. This, this great tribulation that was John was in in which he saw the coming of God's people was a period of persecution under the Roman emperor, uh, the Roman empires or, or emperors, but because there was more than one emperor during this uh, time of persecution, and this is what's being identified in Revelation as, as the sea, the beast, the, the land beast. It's also, I think, very important for us to understand another time here in the New Testament where we do find the words great tribulation. And and this is Jesus speaking. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, Jesus says, For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. This great tribulation was not the same one spoken by John in Revelation. Jesus is referring to the destruction uh, of Jerusalem, which was going to happen after his prophecy about 37 or so years later in AD 70. And in that context, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus said that this was going to be the great tribulation, the uh, abomination of desolation, which would come in the lifetime of, uh, those living. I mean, keep reading the text here in what Jesus says. Matthew 24, 34 says, I say to you. Now, he's talking to a group of people in his lifetime here, okay? He's talking to a crowd in Jerusalem. I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Again, so the question has to be answered here. Jesus is talking to a group of people again in Jerusalem, and he is saying this generation. Well, why would he uh, say those words and people understand it that they were talking to them about their generation? 
we, we the book of revelation is happy hunting ground for everybody and, and their brother and whoever to sell books and make money scare people and i'm not saying at all that persecution is not real because it is very real god's people have always been persecuted persecution whether you are under the old covenant as, uh, living as a faithful jew or under the new covenant living as a faithful christian god's people have always always been persecuted and jesus makes that clear uh, the world hates you yeah it hated me first okay now i paraphrase that but that's that's exactly what jesus is saying the world will always hate the god they did they, they want to live the world they want to live in uh they don't want to have to answer or be accountable for anything that they do or say wrong they really want to be their own god okay this world this word excuse me tribulation appears 15 times in the new testament and it's used with a reference to the suffering of god's people it does appear five times in the book of revelation including chapter 2 and chapter 7 and chapter 1 okay what we that we just read there is not in our future any special great tribulation okay the children of god right now are living in a time of tribulation for for some uh tribulation is great this idea of armageddon and this thousand year reign are also uh, right now because we live in in god's kingdom period christ is right now reigning at the right hand of god he is not coming back to reign on this earth and i know i know it's a popular teaching but he's sitting on the throne in thessalonians we, we talk about jesus appearing and he does but it really doesn't say that he's going to actually step foot on this earth again Romans 5 verse 3 here are some other references and, and not only this okay but we also ex exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance again Romans 8 35 who shall separate us from a, from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution phantom nakedness pearl or the sword chapter 12 verse 12 rejoice in hope preserving and tribulation devoted to prayer john 16 here's jesus these things i have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation okay there's that word again but take courage i have overcome the world tribulation here again is another word for trials and persecution First Peter 1 6 in this you are greatly to rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials James 1 2 considered all joy my brother when you encounter various trials 2nd Timothy 3 12 and indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted Okay, and so if you have a Greek uh, study Bible, uh, I would encourage you to look up this Greek word for tribulation. 
And Strong's uh, numbers, you know, you can if you have one of those, you can find it. But there's nothing mysterious about this wor word tribulation. The Greek word for tribulation really has this meaning, and it's used as a, a, an affliction 14 times in the New Testament. Anguish once, distress twice, persecution, tribulation. This word is used 16 times, tribulations, plural, four times in trouble. It's used once, but it's the same Greek word that is translated into just a little bit of different wording in the English language. And this is why I really like uh, word studies. They really help you understand what that word really means in its original language. And if you have a, a Greek uh, Bible, uh, Strong's Numbers you, book, you can, you can do lots of cross-referencing, and you'll get a picture very quickly on what that word really means and why it's translated in different ways into the English language. So, again, using this uh, book of Revelation... Here is Jesus in our English language. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. Well, folks, it really doesn't say that in the original Greek. It has the same meaning, but again, this doesn't translate into the English language very well or the culture. And what it really is saying in the original Greek is, Oh, behold, I'm at the door yelling. Okay? And so... They didn't have doorbells like we do in the Western world or in the modern world. In fact, when I've been in third world countries, uh, they don't have doorbells. And that's exactly what goes on. They, they stand out in the street and they, hey, Fred, are you home? And they wait till somebody responds. That's how they did it in the time of Jesus. Okay, And so we, we wouldn't necessarily always understand that and our English language. And that's why I think there's so much misunderstanding over the book of Revelation. I am not saying one minute. I have it all figured out. Uh, this book is a very interesting book. If you cannot understand Daniel Ezekiel, you're probably not going to understand Revelation. I've come to that conclusion. And so, again, I, I want to make a point. We have over half of our audience that listens to us are from non-Christian type nations where they are persecuted for seeking out the gospel and they're gonna they're gonna say or think that they're in the Great Tribulation the end is coming and we need to also understand every generation since the day of Pentecost has looked for Jesus's return and he is coming back there is no doubt that is one thing that Scripture is very clear about. So we need to ask ourselves, especially sitting here uh, in North American continent, where we don't really always grasp the depth of persecution the way communist countries do, uh, persecute their people. Socialist countries also persecute Christians. And if we think that that's not true, you have not done any reading. I would suggest that you go to a webpage called The Voice of the Martyrs. They are a non-denominational group. We have no ties with them. They have no ties with us. But they talk about this very thing of persecution around the world and how people are thrown in prison for believing in Christ, talking about Christ, 
and so on. Now, does that mean it will never happen in North America? Uh, I'm not going to say that because it's very, very possible that this will go on in North America at some point. In fact, I know there are some places where uh, preachers are not supposed to talk anything that would be uh, considered antisocial or hate speech or whatever. Okay? And that God is a God of love, and He is a God of love. But He's also a God of wrath. He's also a God that has laws and rules and expectations because He is the Creator and He has laid out these laws. And He's got an scapegoat called Jesus for all of us uh, to get cleansed with His blood and to receive eternal life. Being a Christian is not a child's game. It is not a social club. It takes grit. Uh, it takes sand, courage. Um, I'm trying to think of different words that we could use uh, that would help others who English is not their first language. I understand what I'm trying to point out here. It, you know, this the way the Book of Revelation is being taught today. Uh, quite honestly, if you study church history, it's a fairly new teaching. Uh, and church uh, history, and it's really within the last hundred years. So my question is, if what happened to the first century church to whatever date that they decided, oh, uh, this has all been missed for all these years, I, I find that hard to swallow. I find that pill hard to swallow. And so, anyway... Thank you for listening. I know part of the question, I didn't really read all of it in the email, but the person's been listening to us for some time, and and I appreciate that. And uh, they seem to have enjoyed the book of uh, Revelation, the Seven Churches series that we did uh, here a few weeks back. And so, again, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you continue to listen, and I certainly thank you for that. Okay, we'll move on to our next question. Okay, our next question comes from Indonesia, and the lady asked this question. Uh, I want to say thank you for listening, uh, Angela, for your uh, continued listening, and that you, you gave us some encouraging words, and I appreciated that. And so, uh, and, and you said it was okay to release that information, so I did. The, the question is really a pretty simple question, and, and, but it's a good one. It is. Uh, did it rain before the flood? Well, prior to uh, the creation of the earth, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, if you have a Bible, again, follow along and read it. Verses 5 and 6. Now no shrub of the field uh, was yet in the earth, and no plant in the field had yet sprouted for the Lord. God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground, but in mist used to rise up from the earth and water the surface of the ground. Uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 10, it goes on to talk about the, how the garden was watered by a river. So there is nothing that is said about uh, the ground after Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden. So we will, I guess, assume, and I say that lightly, uh, that it rained after that. Obviously, we know it rains today, but uh, apparently before uh, it did start to rain on a regular basis, according to the Genesis, 
it was done uh, by a river or mist that came up out of the ground. We, uh, we don't have anything to conclude any other way uh, that the rain that came at the flood was the first uh, rain ever. Uh, there's, the Bible just doesn't say, so again, we're operating off of some guesswork here. So again, thank you uh, for listening. I hope and pray that you'll continue to listen. Okay, our last question comes from Branson, Missouri. And uh, the person says here, uh, where is it mentioned in the Bible about a certain type of tree that does something or gets or loses its fruit or leaves or something along that line? Uh, my understanding, according to Billy Graham, this was supposed to have happened in 1948. According to what scriptures says this happens, that generation will see Christ. Where in the Bible is this? Can you please explain? Well, I don't know what Billy Graham is really referring to. I can. I know that 1948, Israel became a recognized nation. But again, I, I'm sorry, I, I have no idea, no knowledge of Scripture about a tree that is applied to the Jews getting this official uh, possession of the land in 1948. The Scripture which you're looking for which seems to speak about a tree having some relationship uh, to the second coming of Christ, is probably Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 and 33. And please read it carefully. Okay, so, um, now learn from the parable from the fig tree. Okay, this is Jesus talking. When its branch has already become tender, it puts forth its leaves, and you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Okay, so the parable of the fig tree, and we had a podcast on this some time ago, uh, has nothing to do with the second coming of Christ. Jesus is using this natural function of the fig tree that these people standing there, again, this generation, would understand. Uh, to make this illustration or this example, Jesus is very good at using visual aids uh, in his day and time. We use PowerPoint and different things today, but he's standing probably right there by a fig tree. Or, and so, again... Jesus is saying and using this natural function of the fig tree as an illustration. Just as you know, when it's summertime, you can look at the fig tree here. And so when you see the signs of an approaching army, that's Rome, you're going to know that the destruction of Jerusalem is near. And this theme of Matthew chapter 24 and the first 34 verses is the destruction of Jerusalem. And we know from history that happens in 70 A.D. Again, around 37 years after this prophecy that Jesus would make. So I'd encourage you to read Matthew 23, verses 37 39, which are part of this context that we used here in these 34 verses that I'm referring to. I, again, I want to stress, Jesus is coming again. There is no doubt. 
there is a second coming. There is a day of judgment. We truly believe that here. And we, we teach nothing different. But nobody knows when the second coming. Nobody knows except God. Not even the angels know when he will return. And we need to prepare. This is what we really need to understand. I know we had this question earlier about the tribulation. And I kind of close them back with this. That what is important to us today that we understand and believe wholeheartedly that Jesus will return, that he will judge the living and the dead. There is uh, eternal life. We are eternal beings. And where we will spend that eternity will depend on, on our faith and belief and the cleansing blood of Christ is applied in our lives or not. We need to truly, truly find God. He is searching for us just as much as we need to be searching for Him. And we will find each other. Jesus came to proclaim a message that God wants all of us to be saved. Jesus has that power as the creator, as God, to forgive sins. And that was a big argument in his day. That's why the Jewish people hated him, the leaders, I should say. Did not like him because he placed himself in God's shoes. And they thought that's where they should be. And this constant, constant battle... Uh, between the two. At the end of the day, you can read and know that in 70 AD, Rome does destroy Jerusalem. And the only thing that's left there from that day and time period is the waving wall. And you can see that if you watch the news enough and they bring up Jerusalem, you will see people there praying. Uh, former President Trump was the first U.S. president. He was there at that wall. And so we know that the temple was there at one time. We know that prophecy is true. There is nothing left there except that little wall. Okay? And there's a lot of politics of what happened there. I think Rome, if you study Roman history on this subject, uh, they planned on uh, invading and just completely taken over Palestine. And it was kind of sped, sped up because uh, of some events that were taking place uh, prior to AD 70. And Rome, one thing you got to understand about Rome. If, if you paid your taxes and you didn't break their law, you really didn't have a problem. But the Jewish people did not... Uh, like that because they brought in idols and there's one thing that God cured the Jewish people of and that was idolatry they do not worship idols in the day of Christ they have been put in exile they've been taken captive by Babylon and they God's really broke them of idol worship and so when Rome comes in and takes over they bring their 
their idols with them and they start putting them around Jerusalem. And there, there's a big uprising. There's a lot of bloodshed. And according to Josephus, if you go and study uh, him, uh, a Jewish historian, you come across this idea that the Jewish leaders and, and, and Pilate make an agreement that they would stop the bloodshed uh, Rome would not lose any more soldiers as long as Rome agreed to pull their idols out of the city limits of Jerusalem. And then Pilate does to make peace. Well, then after that, there seems to be this idea that the Jewish leaders threatened to tell Caesar how Pilate's really not doing uh, what he's required to do as the Roman procurator there, and that he's breaking the rules and violating uh, that's been set out for him uh, by Caesar. So there, there's a constant battle that's going on here between uh, the Jewish people and Rome. Constant. And there's no love between the two. And so Rome will come in and basically they see the problem, and it is uh, the religion is the problem, and to eliminate that problem, they destroy the temple. That temple is gone, and people in the day that this temple is being destroyed, Josephus would say people saw Rome coming, and they didn't even go back to town. They ran. They fled into the hills, and they disappeared. And so that's exactly what Jesus was trying to say. One's going to be left, uh, one's going to go away, disappear. Well, the one that disappeared grabbed his coat and his kids or whatever and hightailed it out of town. They believed the prophecy. And the others probably stuck around trying to figure out how they were going to uh, fight Rome again. And so, I, I hope this answers your question. I, I thank you for listening. I pray that you'll continue to listen. Uh, I know some of these questions that we've had today uh, came out of our series of the seven churches, and that's great. They tell me people are listening, and I appreciate that very much. And so, may God bless all of you. I, again, appreciate you listening to us. Uh, make sure you hit that like button or that follow button so you get alerts each time uh, the podcast is released. We try to release our podcast every Saturday afternoon, Chicago time. And if that will help you, uh, go to our webpage. There, we're on Facebook now and other media outlets, uh, social media outlets. So be sure to check that out. And we'll catch you next week. May God bless you and may He have the glory.